I've talked about my love for all things Brian Cantrell before, and I featured him twice in one of his rants. And today we're going to revisit one of Brian Cantrell's recent Twitter spaces. So as part of running Oxide Computer Company, he's been doing a bunch of very well-organized Twitter spaces with interesting guests, interesting topic selection, basically doing a much better job of it than most people who are extremely casual and invite on panelists who mostly use it to grandstand. This one, they're actually talking with coworkers, bringing on knowledgeable guests to talk about specific computing topics. And that makes it a much better listen and he records everything and posts it on youtube so you can don't have to listen to it live which is excellent so this is the story of silicon cowboys the book and the documentary that um he hosted a discussion on subsequently and so the the history here is that actually i was trying to watch halt and catch fire with my 13 year old um and the uh i don't know if folks watch halt and catch fire but i'm like i would would like to watch this. It's about effectively about compact, loosely based on compact. Uh, as it turns out, as my 13 year old observed, it's like, that is, is there this much sex in computers? I'm like, no, no, not really. This is like, there's a lot of spontaneous sex breaking out here. This is, this is really not a, and they got to the point where it's like, again, you know, he's not, you know, he's, he sadly is a child of the internet. So really nothing can face him, but he did just find it like boring that there was so, he's like, dad, can we just like watch something that doesn't have as much sex in it? I'm like, all right. So this is how I found Silicon Cowboys. And then I think I turned, I can't remember the ordering, but I turned both of you onto it. And yeah, what'd you think? Uh, the documentary. It, it was amazing. Uh, I, uh, a little bit disappointed in myself that I knew as little about Compaq and their rise as I did, Uh, which, I mean, also made the documentary that much more enjoyable because uh, they do a very good job of narrating the story and, and giving it some, some Hollywood vibe, but it is, um, it was fascinating. I mean, I, I, you know, at at the time that they launched, I was four years old. So (laughs) Appreciating that I wouldn't, I wouldn't have tracked it at that time, but still, um, you know, fastest company to a hundred million dollars, fastest company to a billion dollars, fastest company to the Fortune 500. I mean, just just their meteoric rise was. Um, I was kind of surprised it was yeah. off my radar. Yeah, likewise. I, I, I'm embarrassed that I had no idea of what story it was because, <laughs> yeah, like in in the like. I don't know, gr- growing up sort of uh, compact was interchangeable with like gateway computer or whatever, just sort yeah. of like, just sort of gray box. And then, you know, into my, into my adulthood, it was like literally a punchline, right? Like it, it had so little cachet that it was, uh, you know, culminating in, uh, in, in Scott McNeely's great line of the, the sound of two garbage trucks colliding <laughs> right. when HP and compact, but, but that, <laughs> For me, that was compact. So then to see it paint, portrayed in this light of this unbelievable success story, uh, you know, but truly driven by this combination of, you know, market and technology and execution, it, it was, it was eye opening. Oh, they, they hit the trifecta for sure. And so just to give everyone some idea of the numbers, first of all, actually, it's ironic you should mention Gateway, Adam, because they are actually incorporated as. Mm-hmm. Gateway technology. So they. I saw that. That was that was crazy. Obviously, no relation. No relation to like cow-based gateway. Um, that's on February sixteenth, nineteen eighty-two. On December thirty-first, nineteen eighty-three, their sales are one hundred and eleven million. On December thirty-first, nineteen eighty-four, three hundred twenty-nine million. On December thirty-first, nineteen eighty-five, 
503 million. And that is that those are not real dollars. Those are nominal dollars. Those are in 1983, 1984 and 1985 dollars and coming out of a deep depression in 1982. I mean, those numbers are just insane. I mean, it's just nuts. Just yeah, and they, they did, uh, I think they said, so that first year, they sold something like 50,000 PCs. And this was, I, I thought the other part that was, that was fascinating was just thinking back about how difficult it would have been to raise money at that time. <laughs> and then how difficult it would have been to raise money on the premise of building a computer company that was going to go after IBM. Yeah. Was was even well, more laughable. And, and what they raised, they raised yeah, seven hundred and fifty thousand, which yeah. in today's terms, I did the math was like two point one couple million. million. Two point yeah. one million. It's crazy. It's crazy. And I know so have either of you read open by the, the no. okay. No. So I, I think it is worth reading the book. It's I think the book as sadly is misnamed. I don't know why would you call it open, which to me is not what I, I associate that with much more with Sun than with Compact. Um it should have been named compatible, which is much more compact zeitgeist. But anyway, yeah. uh, and quality and quality. Yeah, right. Misnamed, great book. Uh, goes into the the rate the fundraising quite a bit. And Steve, at at, at the risk of limiting both of our careers, I, I, oh boy, I I feel that like the so um, the the singular Pierre Lamond serves on Oxide's board, and he told us a story that I feel is safe to retell. I'm glad you do. Okay. So <laughs> I will be retelling this alone and Steve will apparently be throwing me under the bus, <laughs> no, right, no, no, fine, no. which is fine. It's a safe story. I think it's a safe story, right? Yeah. So Pierre describes, and I, and he does not feature in open. So I'm not sure. So Pierre's at Sequoia at the time and apparently flies to Houston to meet with Compaq as part of their raise. Now, based on the book, I think this can't be their initial raise. So February 22nd, they raised right. 1.5 million. I think this has got to be, they raise 8.5 in, in September of 82. Um, and I think it's got to be a part of that raise. He flies into Houston and, and Steve, correct me if I'm misremembering this, if you dare correct me, if you're just going to let me just twist out here in the wind. <laughs> but the, uh, they hit wind shear in Houston and Pierre describes the experience as terrifying. I mean, correct me again if I'm getting getting his description of that incorrect. Pierre definitely worst worst storm he had ever been in. Right. Pierre is so one should know. Ninety years old, grew up in Nazi occupied Paris. Uh, Pierre does not scare easily, as we saw during the pandemic when it was very clear that Pierre had absolutely. <laughs> I, I think his exact line was, "COVID will die when it sees me," and he doesn't seem That's to right. be wrong. Like I'm not like I'm not calling that bluff. Pierre does not seem to be afraid of anything. And the fact that he hit wind shear that was enough to terrify him, that must have been, an, I mean, an absolutely terrifying experience. This is yeah, so they had to, re to redirect to Dallas. I don't think he and... – no, I don't think he redirected. I think – because my read on the story was he decided that, like, I'm never flying to Houston again. And then he later went to Dallas. Somehow he, he does end up in Dallas and invests in Convex Computer Company. Compact, yeah. Not quite the win that Compact was. <laughs> no, not quite Compact. <laughs> not quite Compact. But uh, I mean, kudos to Ben Rosen because that he, he, that was. I mean, even though we think about two point one million dollars in nineteen eighty one dollars, nineteen eighty two dollars, that was a big check. That was a big for, check. So, Steve, describe uh, who Ben Rosen is. So, for folks who have not seen the, the, the documentary. 
Yeah, so he was the venture capital who venture capitalist who invested the wrote the first check in Compaq and really got Compaq off the ground. He ended up uh, chairing the board for what twenty years. He was on the board for a long, long run, and uh, you know he he's you know invested in SGI like early check in SGI, invested in EA. Um, you know, in, in some circles is considered kind of the, the, you know, founding venture capital. And, um, but you know, from his seat, that was, that was a, that was a pretty risky venture. Uh, but obviously he had a ton of foresight and saw, you know, what was, what was changing on the horizon. And, um, but they, you know, I think their business plan, they had said something preposterous, like we're going to do $30 million in sales in the first year. Um, which he laughed at, of course, like, well, that's, that's totally ludicrous, but I think there's an opportunity here to uh, potentially build a big company. Um, and the fact that they went on to, to do over a hundred million dollars in the first year is just amazing. And they hit it. And Adam, I think you really outlined that kind of the trifecta that they hit in terms of like their timing was right. They were clearly the way they did the company was right. And they just executed really, really well. I mean, even just to go, even if the market was there to go from zero to 50,000 units of almost anything in the time span they did is incredible. And, and just the way that they scaled that team again from like three dudes who, I mean, I know that they played it up in the documentary, but who wanted to, who considered starting a Mexican restaurant as an alternative, like those three dudes <laughs> to like an empire of people, like, you know, all, all working to that goal is, is just incredible. But the odds of them doing what they did in the PC space, just about the same as taking over like a chain that runs all Mexican food across the U.S. <laughs> in a year. So like, who's to say? There we go. Could have been something, right? So the, and the thing I think is interesting, is like, you know, why did Compaq succeed when others did not? Um, and I clearly like we're reading their version of events. So uh, but it, it, I think it comports with, my, you know, at least my my childhood inference of events in terms of like they really focused on the compatibility and yeah. on making sure because the, all of these PCs were all slightly different and for reasons that we can all easily understand because the PC wasn't very well specified. It was kind of a, it was a lark by IBM. They were going to sell 10,000 units and all of a sudden that explodes and you've got very thin system software and all of the software making implicit dependencies on effectively the machine architecture and they were hellbent on making it compatible. And that was something customers wanted. Brian, this may be a bridge too far, but to me, it struck me as, as some of the like first system software, as I think of it, like as that compatibility layer, whereas everything else was sort of the wild west. And this was now a retrofitting foundation you know, cr creating this foundation where previously, like, everyone had just been divergent. Well, no, I don't think you're going too far at all. In fact, I came to view this as, like, original sin in, in that, on the one hand, it was amazing that they were delivering a, this, this compatibility. On the other hand, they were doing it by delivering this very low-level hidden system software in terms of, like, the bias and so on. And then also having to work with the one thing, do they talk about the documentary, the fact that they were floating patches back to Microsoft or is that from the book? That's from the book. I think. Yeah. I don't remember that. Yeah. It's, it's kind of amazing. So basically they were more compatible with windows than windows was. And <laughs> well, they were more compatible with IBM than IBM. was. They were more compatible with IBM than IBM was. 
There's obviously more to the story here. You can check out the show notes if you want the full Twitter space. I'm currently making my way through the backlog, so you're likely to hear a bit more from me on some of the other spaces that he's done because the topics have been pretty good.